Welcome to Still Becoming, a podcast about how it's never too late to become more free, more yourself, or try something new. I'm Monica DeCristina, a wife, mother, and practicing psychotherapist. Through my own journey, starting with my struggles with anxiety years ago, that led to my professional work as a therapist now, I am fascinated with the process of how we become who we are. We will hear from people telling their stories of becoming, of unbecoming, and overcoming, as well as from experts helping us learn about our own process in the world. We are not designed to stay the same. Our stories are still being written. We are all still becoming. Each month, the Still Becoming podcast brings you a mental health check-in episode, and these are focused on, you guessed it, your mental health and your wellness. Now, they're never meant to replace therapy, and I know I say that every month, but I just feel the need to, as a therapist, go ahead and say that up front. I am so excited about this episode because I feel like it's the first one that we have created together, you and I. What I mean by that is a while back on Instagram, I asked, what is one topic you would really like to hear about for these check-in episodes? And overwhelmingly, the idea of relationships, unhealthy relationships, how do you rewire after unhealthy relationships and boundaries came back. And so I am so excited to have put this one together. Now, I originally put it together a while back but then we were all faced with the COVID-19 pandemic and it just didn't feel like the right time to put it out. But as we all start to look at things reopening at different paces and everyone having different opinions about that, I can't think of a better time than to really understand how you're wired, how you're wired in relationships, how to listen to yourself and how to set healthy boundaries with those people in your life. So today we're going to dive right into what are different definitions about relationships that are healthy and unhealthy. How do we know when we're in one and what in the world do we do if we realize that our style of relating isn't helpful for us? I want to launch us off with two quotes before we get into the content of this episode. The first quote is one I'm sure you've seen all over the internet, and it is an unknown author, and it's simply this. You are not required to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. I think that one kind of speaks for itself, but we'll unpack that a little bit more when we look at codependency. The other quote is by Brene Brown, and it is, choose discomfort over resentment, meaning that Every time it is better to choose the discomfort of setting a boundary instead of resenting people that you didn't set a boundary with later. So let's dive into this really important topic that we came up with together. As we dive into this topic today, I want to first acknowledge that understanding relationships and understanding boundaries is very, very complex. 
And I say that because if we don't name the complexity of it, it could really frustrate us. This is something that is going to be very dependent on your upbringing, on your background, and on each relationship you have today. So let's go into this recognizing the full complexity of what we are talking about and doing that with a lot of compassion for ourselves. The goal for today is for us to learn how to voice our limits and our needs. And we do that by first learning to listen to our limits and our needs, that we have healthy relationships and healthy boundaries in relationships by actually learning to attune to ourselves and what we need and to understand our relationship backgrounds and style. So that is how you actually set a relationship boundary or change the way you relate to other people is by first understanding yourself. I thought it would be really helpful to start us off with definitions about relationships and types of relationships. And these are some definitions that maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't, but I know a lot of people are curious about. The first thing I want to define is something called enmeshment. And you can kind of hear what it means by the word itself when things are sort of enmeshed together. It is when it's hard to discern where I end and where you begin. It's hard to discern when you're happy versus when I'm happy or when you're sad or I'm sad. That if you've had a stressful day, I can't really tell if maybe I've had a stressful day too. And some families are raised with this idea of closeness is enmeshment, meaning we must all think the same, be the same, do the same, and believe the same at all times. With enmeshment, personal boundaries in a relationship are often blurred. There is an over-concern for others that leads to a loss of independence in the relationships. Now, enmeshment does not always, but it can often lead to codependency and unhealthy attachments. So what is codependency? Codependency is a description of traits or behaviors in a relationship. It is when we have a sense of responsibility for other people's actions, or we confuse pity or care for other people with love. It's when we do more than our share in a relationship. And um, it's when we have oftentimes a fear of abandonment or a sense of guilt with asserting ourselves. And we often have a hard time naming and understanding our feelings. So if I have some codependent traits, it's going to be hard for me to know what I need and to name what I need. Now, one of the most important things about codependency for me is to remember that it's a spectrum. We are all a little codependent sometimes, and we all have relationships that bring that out more. It's not a black and white scary thing. It's just a list of behaviors that include overvaluing other people's needs over your own. So what's the opposite of enmeshment and that can sometimes lead to codependency? It would be this idea of differentiation. It's the idea that you and I can be connected, but what you feel and think and do, and even what you think about me doesn't influence what I think and feel and do 
in how I feel about myself. It means that my needs are just as important as your needs. It means that I'm not going to suppress or ignore my own needs in order to meet yours. And so the goal in relationships is to have something called healthy interdependence. It means that we are connected and dependent on each other in a really healthy, flexible way, not in a way where one person's needs are dominant or take over the relationship. We can be close, but we can be different. We can be emotionally connected, but we can disagree about things. Now we're going to get into boundaries in a few minutes from a different direction than we've come at it before. But before we do, I just want to name that boundaries, we want them to be flexible, not rigid and not diffuse. And so flexible boundaries look like I am able to be flexible and meet your needs when it's something really important. Diffuse boundaries mean that your needs always come first and my needs don't really matter. There's no separation between you and I. Rigid boundaries mean that I never become flexible at all to help other people, that I am very rigid in what I'm doing and I'm not able to bend and flex with the messiness and the needs of life and how relationships sometimes need us to bend for each other in moments of crisis or extreme need. One quick thing about boundaries before we move forward too is that you can be authentic with people and not share everything with them. That is part of a healthy differentiation and interdependence. I can be close to you as much as I want to be. I can share as much as I want to share with you. That we are able to still consider ourselves authentic, but not share everything with every person in our life. We are going to move into looking at some of your specific questions that you guys sent in. I want to name them here because we're going to start addressing them as we move forward. One of the things that one of you asked was some tips for moving forward after a codependent relationship. Someone else asked, what are actual things we can do to rewire ourselves relationally? Someone else asked, how does being raised in a codependent environment affect you? And these are the perfect segues for where we're going next. So if we can all understand the concept of boundaries and what a healthy relationship might look like, why in the world is it so hard for us to do that sometimes? Well, that comes back to the way that we're raised. Everything really comes back to our attachment style. I like to think of your upbringing like a marinade. If you've ever marinated chicken, or if you're a vegetarian, marinated tofu, um, then you know that the substance that you're marinating takes on all the flavors of what it's resting in. And it's very similar to that in our upbringing, that we take on um, what our family teaches about relationships or boundaries, whether it is big and explicit and clear, like you're not allowed to say no, or whether it's implicit that your mom or your dad kind of ignored you when you were not pleasing to them or got irritable when you weren't what they wanted. We also learn to set boundaries by watching our caregivers, whoever they are. This is something that is based on mirror neurons, that when we watch our family set boundaries or we watch the implicit 
family rules about, no, you're not allowed to say how you feel or you better be quiet because mom's in a bad mood today. We start to learn how we should do relationships in a way like our parents did. We become what they are in relationships. If our family was very codependent without looking at that and working on that ourselves, we will naturally, of course, continue with that pattern. So who you are in relationships today is completely informed by the way you were raised. And there are four different attachment styles. That is the style of relationship that you had with your caregivers that have been identified. There are entire books written on this. And so I've been trying to find a way to describe it to you guys in a short little podcast, and it's not possible to do it fully. But what I decided to do is to explain it to you in the same way that I would explain it to a client in therapy. So there are four different attachment styles, and those were figured out during a research project that has been replicated lots of times called the strange situation in which a child was with their mom, a stranger would come in and the mom would leave and the mom would come back. And the way that the, the child responded showed a lot about the attachment between the grown-up and the child. And it's important to understand this because when we have a secure attachment, and we're going to talk about what that is, we are much more able to have relationships with flexible, healthy boundaries, to be interdependent rather than being codependent and enmeshed. So a quick overview of what this research showed. The securely attached child would get worried when their mom left and they would feel happy and okay when their mom returned. Going up to their mom, a securely attached child knows that their needs will be met. Their parent is reasonably predictable. They know that their parent will repair if there's a problem in the relationship. They know that they are loved and secure. The next style of attachment is called anxious ambivalent. You'll see it named other things, but anxious ambivalent are the words that we'll use today. And this is the style where the mom would leave and the child would get upset and the mom would come back and the child was still anxious and upset because the mom was very unpredictable that this is um, a relationship where you may not know what you're going to get. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not good, which would understandably create a lot of anxiety. The third style is avoidance style. Now, the mom would leave, the child wouldn't look upset, the mom would come back, the child would not really look upset. This is oftentimes um, a child who may look very calm on the outside, but still be experiencing anxiety on the inside. This is a relationship that is defined by maybe having the child's physical needs met, like food and housing, but having a lot of emotional coldness, emotional disconnection. And so the child learns not to really go to that caregiver for affection. And that becomes a person who learns that they can't really get their needs met and so really suppress their own needs and disconnect from others. The fourth style is disorganized style. And that's really the hardest one to describe, it is disorganized, meaning that sometimes the child will act anxious. Sometimes the child will be um, avoidant. This is because the caregiver is very, very disorganized in the way that they attach to the child. 
So the point of all this is that how you attach today in relationships, which is again, what determines what kind of relationships you have is completely based on your upbringing. But what do we do if we like 35 to 50% of the population did not have a secure attachment growing up? Well, the first thing I want to say is that, you know, if you did not have a secure attachment growing up, you're in good company. A lot of people didn't. And you might have a lot of different kinds of attachment styles mixed together. Maybe you do have some elements of a secure attachment style. Maybe you also have some elements of an anxious attachment style. That it's sometimes we have a blend of a bunch of different things. The good news is that you can develop something called an earned secure attachment. And that means that anybody with an attachment style that was not secure can learn to have a secure attachment. And there's two ways that we make sure that that happens. And one is by modeling a internal reparenting of ourselves off of a healthy, secure attachment. So again, if that wasn't your parents, well, maybe it will be a spouse. Maybe it will be a best friend. It definitely can be a therapist. Maybe it's a mentor, but someone in your life who makes you feel like you're okay. You don't have to be pleasing to be loved. You're allowed to say no and to have limits. They will say sorry if they're wrong. Looking at that attachment and then starting to internalize that for yourself and reparenting yourself. Reparenting is such a big part of the therapy experience because what we do is we start to attune to ourselves and we start to say to ourselves, I'm listening. I'll honor your needs. I'm going to listen to what my needs are. And then I'm going to have boundaries in my relationships based on what those needs I've identified are. The second way that we start to have a earned secure attachment style if we weren't raised with one is by understanding and identifying our story, that there is research that shows that if we really understand our story and make sense of it and why it happened, we start to then change our attachment style and can then have a healthy attachment going forward. When we become emotionally and cognitively organized with our story, we change our cards, really. We change the way that we relate going forward. If you are curious about your attachment style and you'd like to learn more, I will list some books in the show notes for this episode. Another great way to do that is if you have a therapist with your therapist or even with a good friend to talk this over. So once we understand kind of what our attachment style was like growing up, we can understand why it is we react the way we do today. So for example, if you had an anxious, ambivalent attachment style in your relationship or partly in your relationship growing up, you might feel really anxious in relationships that you are going to not be pleasing Maybe people won't be there for you. Um, And this can lead you to compromising your own boundaries and not listening to your own needs or getting into some um, patterns where you put other needs of people in front of your own. So you absolutely can rewire the way you do relationships. But the most important part is to understand the marinade you were raised in in order to do that. And then to start listening to and attuning to your own needs. 
like a good, good, loving parent, not a perfect parent, but a good, loving parent. If you come in with a metaphorical scraped knee, your parent would say, oh, sweetie, what happened? Let me help you. Let's get that cleaned up. Let's get you a Band-Aid and let's comfort you. That is what we want to start to do with ourselves. How is that related to healthy relationships? Well, just like we started with enmeshment and codependency is when your needs are not as important as other people, or they're so fused with other people, you don't even know where you end and other people begin. So reparenting yourself is starting to really listen to what do I need? How do I feel? And lovingly attending to that. And that will be your guide as you start to change your relationships outside of yourself. It first starts with the relationship you have with yourself. And then we can determine what changes need to happen in our other relationships. One of the things that I see more often than not is that you're probably doing a lot better than you think. I have had many situations with clients, and I'm not using any personal information here, where um, clients might have trouble setting boundaries in certain relationships. But when we look at other relationships, surprise, they're actually quite good at it in certain relationships. Oftentimes they're good at in relationships where they feel quite confident or emotionally secure. And so once we notice, oh, you know how to relate securely and have a boundary and be interdependent rather than codependent in this relationship, we start to get more confidence about bringing that to our other relationships. Ultimately, to set boundaries in relationships, we need to know that we're loved. What I mean by that is, remember a little bit ago when I said that we have trouble setting boundaries, not because we don't have the information, but because it's emotionally scary. We fear that we will be abandoned or criticized or not pleasing and metaphorically kicked off the island if we set boundaries. If we can start to work on our own sense of self-worth and our own sense of feeling loved and our own sense of belonging, then we are going to have a secure base from which to set boundaries. If we are able to internalize that idea of a secure attachment with ourself, reparenting ourselves, or even if this applies to you in your relationship with God, we are much more likely to be able to set boundaries with other people because we are now operating from a more secure, solid place rather than an anxious place in our relationships. So if the goal is not only to understand what a healthy relationship looks like, but to rewire ourselves so that we are able to have those relationships, then we first need to understand how we were raised. We need to identify the marinade that we were raised in. And that comes back to our attachment style. Once we understand our attachment style, we can understand what are the areas where we need to be reparented. Maybe you weren't allowed to say your hard feelings. Maybe you were taught to be pleasing instead of authentically yourself. And so once we listen to that, we gently reparent ourselves and start to tune in to what do I need? What are my limits? What is my voice? We combine that with a sense of our own worthiness of being loved for who we are whether that's based on a relationship with one secure person or maybe our relationship with God. 
when we internalize this knowledge of our worth and we gently reparent ourselves and start listening to what we need, that will inform our decisions in each of our relationships. So maybe there is a relationship where you tend to deny your needs or metaphorically set yourself on fire to make someone else warm. The first step is is not to tear down that relationship. It's to lovingly and gently tune in with yourself. Why is that your tendency? Where did you learn that pattern? What might you need instead? And that will inform how you want to go forward in that relationship. Gosh, that was a lot of information in one podcast episode. And my hope is that it will be one tiny link on the chain for you in your own process. No podcast episode could ever help you to fully rewire the way that you relate to other people. But a podcast episode could be a tiny little light to help you find the next step on your path as far as relating to yourself and others. What I want to leave you with is the knowledge that your needs, your voice, your limits, they matter just as much as anyone else's. And the best way for you to love others is to start to learn to tune into and lovingly take care of yourself. I will put resources in the show notes. I will put books that I um, referenced. I will put books that are good to read on these topics. I think rather than bogging you down with so many books throughout the episode, I'll just list them all in the show notes. Some of them will have a faith-based component. Some of them will not. So I trust you to choose whichever books would apply and help best for you. As we wrap up today's episode, I'm reminded of the quotes that we started with. You are not required to set yourself on fire to keep other people warm. No, in fact, you matter so much more than that. And your needs matter so much more than that. And Brene Brown's quote that reminded us to choose the discomfort of setting boundaries and telling people no and listening to our needs over resentment. We move into resentment of people when we deny our own needs and we give past our limits. My hope is that the uncomfortable work and the scary work would be guided by your knowledge of your own worth, of your own value, and that your needs and your voice and your feelings matter more than a lot, and that this would be one tiny link in the chain of you listening to those needs as you go forward. For more information, please go to stillbecoming.net. Please subscribe and review Still Becoming wherever you listen to podcasts if you like what you heard here today. Please follow along on Instagram. You can find me at Monica DeCristina. Thank you for listening.